Welcome back to another What's Up podcast. I am the What's Up Associate Editor, Jocelyn Murphy, and I am speaking today with one of my friends in the music community. Uh, Robert Ginsberg is the jazz curator at the Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville, as well as the executive director of the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society. Robert uh, is someone that I speak to on a pretty regular basis. So, Robert, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be back with you. Thank you. Yes, it's, uh, yeah, as, as with everyone that I speak with pretty regularly, it's been a while since we've uh, had a chance to talk about something new and exciting coming to the area. So I am really looking forward today to talking to you about the Starlight Jazz Series for this year's Walton Arts Center season. Jocelyn, it's exciting. Uh, of course, all of us are still reeling somewhat from the last bizarre 18 months. And uh, as things come back to life, uh, we've put together an incredible series in for Starlight Jazz at Walt Large Center. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, things are kind of going back and forth right now. So here's hoping we get to see all of these shows because also an interesting thing is uh, the this is the Walton Art Center's 30th anniversary and the jazz series is what kicks off the whole season. The first show of the year is the jazz, uh, the opening show of the jazz series. It's a group that we had about three or four years ago called Hunter Tones, and they were so great and such a hit, we decided to kick off this season by bringing them back. That's September 10th. Yes, I'm so happy they're coming back. I uh, spoke with one of their members uh, ahead of the last time the group was coming. I was at that show. Man, it was so much fun. These guys are so energetic and are blending, I feel like, so many different kinds of music, and they're just really, really fun. If, if anybody out there is unfamiliar with the group, odds are you're at least familiar with one of the players, and I'm referring to John Lampley, who's a regular guest on the Colbert Show and the band there. He plays trumpet and sousaphone. And it's an interesting thing about Hunter Tones. All of these guys together as a group since their college days together but they've also pursued individual careers that have taken them around the world with some of the great great young bands like john batiste and stay human as well as snarky puppy and a really in-demand group of guys but as a unit they're just incredible Yes, and they actually just had a new album come out on August 20th, their album Time to Play, so it's just released, and uh, I believe, Robert, you got me a tune from that album, is that correct? Is that what we're going to hear? I believe so. Great, uh, so we've got Chameleon from the Hunter Tones Time to Play album that just released on August 20th. Let's hear a little bit of that and then talk some more about what we can expect from the show. Thank you. 
that is a clip of Chameleon by the Hunter Tones. It's just a little, just a little taste there, the beginning of the song. Uh, so, Robert, tell me a little more about what kind of sets their sound apart and why you're looking forward to having them back at the Walton Arts Center. This band is really a horn-driven band, and um, you know, you, it's it's frequent that a band will have as their soloists horn players, but the horns in this band really drive rhythmically the 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 force of what they do. Uh, there's also a guitar player and drummer and uh, and bass player, of course, but um, really the front line is three horn players that just make it all happen, and it's not uncommon that at some point in their concert these guys will march around the room almost a la a conga line <laughs> with <laughs> people from the audience joining in it, it it really is that kind of high energy they're they're young and they're innovative and yet as you just heard you know like many young jazz musicians they're greatly influenced by the tradition in in that case the cut we heard uh, shades of Herbie Hancock spill into their music. So they just, they, they bring a, a real freshness and vitality to jazz. And, and they also do that by bringing in other styles of music and, and jazzifying them, if you will. In fact, their latest recording, I think, was produced by Beyonce's producer. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, uh, they're plugged in to what's happening now with uh with a great sense of tradition as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned John Lampley. I actually spoke with him as well, and you can read more about that in the September 5th issue of What's Up. So that's that's where we'll be uh, digging into the Starlight Jazz series as well. But you can read a little more from John. And, you know, what he was telling me, uh, the band is celebrating their 10th anniversary this year. So they've got a, a big anniversary going on as well. And he said he really feels like with this album, this Time to Play album, that 10 years in, Hundertones is really starting to figure out their sound and, and who they are. Uh, and who they are is a band that, as you were mentioning, blends a lot of different sounds from a lot of different places. So you can you can loosely call this band a jazz band, but depending on what your idea of jazz is, they might not fit that. So I they're a lot of fun, and I'm excited to have them back. It will be fun. If, if you like to go to a concert and sit with your hands folded on your lap, this may not be the group for you because <laughs> they'll make you move. Yes. And so then the second show on October 22nd is Jane Bunnett and McKeck. Am I saying that right? It's actually McKeke. McKeke. Like M-A-K-E-H-K-E-H. And it means the spirit of a young girl in an Afro-Cuban vernacular. Wow. Yeah, they they look like a, a really interesting band that has a lot going on. Tell us a little bit about them. Well, this band was put together by Canadian saxophonist and flutist Jane Bunnett. She took her first trip to Cuba in 1982 and has subsequently dedicated her life to that country's music, traveling to the island literally hundreds of times, bringing, because of the embargo and the, the difficulties of getting Cuban nationals into this country, Jane has facilitated that as well. She's really, uh, she herself is a great musician, soprano, saxophonist, and flutist, and uh, she has a 
three-decade track record of award-winning collaborations with Cuban artists and a series of recordings from her band called Spirits of Havana. In 2013, she noticed that there was a long-standing disparity. She'd mostly collaborated with men, especially instrumentalists in Cuba. Mm. And in response to that, she helped to establish the group Makeke, which is an all-female band of young Cuban artists and they kind of blend this folkloric Cuban music and jazz. And uh, they really set out to make these connections and also to bring women to the forefront. The, it was just sort of a side project for Jane Bunnett. And uh, what happened was she released a 2014 album called Jane Bunnett and McKeke. It won a Juno Award, which is the equivalent of Canada in Canada of like our Grammys. And the band's first tours just launched them into the public consciousness, and they've taken off from there. It's uh, high energy also. It really is that that amazing dovetailing of all of the things that come together to create jazz. And people don't really realize, a lot of people don't realize how important the Caribbean influence is on jazz. We think of New Orleans, and we think of Chicago and New York. And we think of the blues, but really that African, Cuban, Caribbean influence came up through New Orleans to help form this music. So the connections really go deep, not only into the folkloric traditions of the African music landing on the island of Cuba, but also how people like Dizzy Gillespie, who brought Chano Pozo to the States in the 40s, started a whole Latin jazz wave in this country. So this is kind of a continuation of that, made that much more exciting by the fact that these these women just kill it. <laughs> and they've all kind of gone on to uh, garner careers of their own. Uh, some of these women are the daughters of very famous Cuban artists, like groups of uh, daughters of one of the leaders of the group era uh, care and so it, it's going to be it's going to be quite a show and, and uh, a blending again which really is the essence of jazz a blending of styles that creates something new mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what we are going to hear in this clip that you've provided this clip from Makeke is called Reencuentro, which translates to reunion and what you'll love about it is that distinctive Afro-Cuban sound and that very uh, rhythmic pulse that is created. But you'll also get to hear the coupling of the voices as an instrument with the instrumentation of the, these women actually playing. Great. Let's give it a listen. Keke? You got it. 
<laughs> I don't know why I can't get that. They will be at the Walton Arts Center October 22nd. And the next show is another young woman uh, who has some impressive background of her own, even though she's she's young and coming up in the jazz tradition as well. December 10th, Samara Joy will be at the Walton Arts Center. Yes, and I have to tell you, Jocelyn, this may, I'm so excited about this concert. I've been curating the jazz series since the, the building opened, and the most gratifying thing for me has been hearing an artist who was yet to be fully recognized, bringing them to the Walton Art Center, and then several years later watching them blow up. This has happened on several occasions. I predict that's what's going to happen with Samara, and it's already happening, quite honestly. When she was 20 years old, she won the Sarah Vaughan International Jazz Vocal Competition after only really having been exposed to Sarah Vaughan's music for a couple of years. She's been singing all her life, more from a gospel background, but she got into jazz when she was in college. She's 21 now, and she you'll, you hear it immediately. There are some artists that just have it, and they they their instincts are so powerful that they draw you into their music. And this is the case with Samara. She comes right out of the classic tradition of Carmen McRae, Ella Fitzgerald, Nancy Wilson, of course, Sarah Vaughan. And um, she's, it's not nostalgic. What, what she does is bring that music back to life. Hmm. That sounds like, Again, just that's always interesting to me when it's a young musician, uh, as you said, bringing that music back to life, like uh, taking the tradition and going somewhere new and interesting with it. So let's listen to a clip of The Trouble With Me Is You by Samara Joy. Just when I know that my heart says go, you stop. Then when I start to feel high, you let me drop with a flop. You're brushing me off and you lead me on. Tell me you'll stay, then I find that you're gone. It's easy to see why I happen to be so blue. Cause the trouble with me is you. And Samara's debut album just came out this summer, correct? That's right. And uh, that's Pasquale Grasso, the guitarist who really is a virtuoso. Uh, it, it's a great blending. If there, Sometimes I almost feel like Pasquale's virtuosity gets in the way of her singing. But you know what the truth of the matter is? What Samara possesses is this ability to be totally relaxed in the music. Even if it's a double time, upbeat piece, you can hear how relaxed she is. And she has this rhythmic freedom, clear diction. She avoids any mannerism. So the tension that's created by Pasquale and his group against her voice is really kind of cool to hear together as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, if anyone looks up Samara, you might uh, find this piece. The NPR uh, jazz critic Kevin Whitehead said this about the album, which I loved. He said... uh, the album could be a public service announcement for jazz education. I thought that was a great quote. <laughs> yeah, well, she, you know, she dug in when she was in college, and and, and luckily now the the educational systems have caught up with the, the 
the for the, the jazz style there was a time when you really had to learn this music on the bandstand that's still the finishing school to learn the music but now you can study the curriculum you can study the fundamentals of jazz and use that as a launch pad to really be a great musician mm. That is Samara Joy. She will be here December 10th. And then we get into the new year, February 18th. The Sullivan Fortner Trio will be in Fayetteville at the Walton Arts Center. That's right. And this, to me, is kind of the bedrock of this music. Somehow, there's something about a piano jazz trio that embodies this music in a, in a very interesting way. Solo performances are incredible and can just be enlightening duos can be exciting with the tension between two artists but a trio is like that three-legged stool that is stable on uneven ground and the interplay between a trio especially when it's led by someone of sullivan fortner's stature is just amazing he's a new orleans native and he is considered one of the most promising young voices on the piano. He's been a favorite on Jazz at Lincoln Center's various stages as a guest. He was a high school valedictorian, holds a bachelor's degree from Overland Conservatory of Music, a master's from Manhattan School of Music. He's one of those guys. You wow. Know, just brilliant <laughs> on every level. He's also topped the categories in um, uh, Downbeat Magazine for a rising star, a jazz artist, rising star, piano uh, critics poll winner. Uh, he won the um, Piano Association Cole Porter Jazz Fellowship. And it also, he happens to be uh, in a significant relationship with one of the great young singers today, Cecile McLaurin Salvat, who actually appeared at Walton Arts Center with jazz at Lincoln Center. So he's just 32 years old. And uh, his career is taking off. He has this ability to not only project his own voice, again, reflecting back on what we talked about, but he also embodies all of what occurred before him. And uh, he reveals this incredible empathy towards this, the, the tradition and the style. Mm. Let's hear a clip of his tune, Pep Talk. Sullivan Fortner Trio here February 18th. And then we go from three musicians to five musicians with the series final show, March 5th, the Clark Gibson Quintet. Clark is this, what a find and what a, a resource for us in this part of the world. Clark moved here, uh, oh, about four or five years ago. And he's an educator, an incredible virtuoso, and he teaches at Tahlequah. He's, uh, he heads up the jazz studies program there. Clark is, in a, uh, is a comrade in arms. He comes to a lot of the shows at Walton Art Center. He's appeared in, on several occasions with the Fayetteville Jazz Collective. And um, as I say, a real resource to the area. He's also 
very well respected and connected to the jazz community at large. And he put together a quintet of leaders. Everybody in this band is a star in their own right. And it includes Sean Jones, one of the finest trumpet players on the scene. Just to tell you a little bit about Sean, Sean appeared here some years back with his own group as a leader at the Walton Arts Center. Um, he, in conversations with Winton Marsalis, Winton said to me that this is the guy. He says, it's like when, when Sean is on stage, Winton hides in the back. <laughs> he's, he's of that stature. And in fact, he did a long tenure with Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, and Winton had him as the soloist. Um, so he's on trumpet. The Hammond B3 organist is Pat Bianchi, who's been here on several occasions. And if you like that funky, greasy sound of the Hammond B3 organ, then you're going to love Pat Bianchi. He, he's just got it all. Another prodigy, he started playing piano when he was seven years old. Almost everybody in his family was a musician, which is interesting. His father, his father-in-law, his well, his his grandparents on both sides and they recognized his talent and nurtured it and sent him to music schools and his career took off. He did his first professional gigs when he was 11 years old, performing with dance bands in his hometown of Rochester, New York. So he's on Hammond B3. The trombonist is one of the world's eminent trombonists and uh, he leads his own groups as well. He's played with a who's who of performers. His name is Michael Deese. And the drummer, Lewis Nash, is a legend. Um, by the time he was 18 years old, he was playing with some of the greatest groups in the world, like Sonny Stitt and Art Pepper and Lee Konitz. And he is he's like the guy, you know. Uh, he, he appeared here once with the Monterey Jazz All-Star Band. Mm. And uh, so Lewis is in the band. Um, and, uh, you know, again, when people cut their teeth working with with legends like Sonny Rollins and Stan Getz, which is what Lewis did, you, you know you're going to be in for a treat. So this is really just one of those great quintets, a lot of blowing, a lot of soloing, and uh, it'll be, and Clark at the helm will really knock everybody's socks off when they hear him play his alto sax. Yeah, well, let's hear a clip from this. Uh, I've heard you refer to them as a super group, uh, the Clark yeah. Gibson Quintet. This is Jack. musicians, bands uh, that we have on the 2021-22 Walton Arts Center Starlight Jazz Series. But there are a couple of other shows not technically on the series, uh, Robert, that you were telling me you're also excited about. Do you want to tell me about those? Uh, certainly. Well, we decided to bring in some groups that we felt were going to draw a larger audience and put them in Baumwalker Hall. So we have two super bands. One of them is, again, a trio, and that's Joey Alexander. 
many people are familiar with Joey because of the exposure he got through a 60 minute special that was done on him. Uh, when he was eight years old, this Balinese born self-taught pianist who learned jazz by listening to his dad's record collection, he had the opportunity when he was eight to play for the legendary Herbie Hancock and his career just took off. At first, a lot of people felt like it's just the phenomenon of this super young kid being so proficient, but it's really beyond that. It's almost as though you, you wonder how somebody that young could express that kind of depth of emotion when they haven't even experienced that much life. Well, Joey now is 16 years old. No, he's 18 years old now. And um, I will mention also, he was uh, when four years ago, he appeared at Crystal Bridges as part of the Van Cliburn series when the Jazz Society curated an event for them to kick off that Van Cliburn series, a double bill with 14-year-old Joey Alexander and then 84-year-old Ellis Marsalis, the patriarch of the Marsalis family. And Joey's the real deal. It's uh, you know he's a young man now, and um, he his his star continues to rise. The other group that will be in Baumwalker Hall as part of the 10 by 10 series is a legendary ensemble. It's a big band, the Mingus Big Band, which celebrates the music of composer and bassist Charles Mingus. Charles Mingus died in 1979, and he was considered probably the heir apparent to Duke Ellington in terms of the volume of original compositions. This band came together after his death and has been performing in New York City regularly. Rarely do they get to this part of the world. So it's a it's a real catch for us to be able to snag them on a three-day tour. And you talk about energy. This is a band filled with leaders in the jazz community, trumpets, trombones, saxophones, piano, bass, drums, every one of them a, j- a jazz star. So that should be fun as well. Yeah, so the jazz is, is bleeding out over the edges of the Starlight Jazz Club series this year and uh, plenty of opportunities to experience a lot of different forms of the genre this year. I encourage everyone who's interested in the series to uh, look over the entire series. Also, I encourage you to keep uh, yourself attuned to announcements from Walton Art Center in this uncertain environment that we're in right now protocols and um, safety precautions can change almost overnight. So as things stand right now, the Starlight Jazz series is up and running and um, any announcements to variations in the plan will be clearly posted by Walton Art Center. Um, That's, I guess, right now, Jocelyn, that's the world we live in. Yes, it is. And, um, you know, so the Walton Art Center, the entire last year, was either canceled or ended up some of the shows being postponed as they were able to be rebooked for this year. Uh, But I wanted to talk really quickly about what was on your mind as you're curating this season, you know, after an entire year away, really more than that. uh, Some of these artists were originally supposed to be here in 2020 and now they're coming, but just you know, what, what are you thinking about as, as you're thinking about the time spent away and now, you know, being optimistic and hoping that people actually get to experience this music again? 
Well, probably a lot of the same things that we all are thinking about. It's it's just been a totally unbelievable 18 months, and it's impacted everybody in different ways. Uh, some people, particularly musicians, it's impacted in, in an enormous way. Um, it's the way the music industry has evolved. You know, nobody buys CDs anymore. Everything is streaming. For a musician to be able to monetize the music they create and record has become more and more difficult. They don't get hardly any royalties from Spotify or YouTube or that sort of thing. So they were kind of reduced to to live concerts. And of course, that was taken away from them in this past 18 months. Now there's a real hunger, I think, not only within the music musicians community to get out in front of people again and perform, but also in the listening community. And but the cloud that hangs over that is still the uncertainty of of where we're we're at right now. And it, it I feel like we're on this seesaw that's kind of balanced right now, straight across. And it's we don't know which way it's going to tip. Is it are we going to have to go back to more isolation or? Can we? The, the vibe I get right now is that more people are comfortable being out and about, but um, I think uncertainty still reigns, and and that I would have to say was kind of my overlying. Um, that kept coming into my mind uh, as as we were curating this season. It was okay, full steam ahead, but that little voice in the back of my head saying, "Let's hope this works." Mm. <laughs> Well, and something else I noticed about this season is I feel like uh, quite a few of these musicians are quite young, and it's something we we touched about or touched on uh, during this conversation. And I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with uh, you know something you and I have talked about uh, on and on over the years is you're kind of battling against some of these preconceived notions that the genre of jazz has and, you know, trying to get younger and new generations interested in the form and, you know, where it can go through these young and new musicians. So, I'm, you know, was that on your mind as well as you kind of looked over the season and saw, oh, so some of these are some pretty young musicians doing some interesting things? Absolutely. I, I mean, you, you nailed it. It's, and it is happening. The, the new generation of, of jazz musicians, and this goes all the way down to eighth grade through 12th grade, because as you know, uh, I've been involved in a jazz education program that it recruits students in high schools from our region for a big band and for ensemble playing. And the response from young musicians, once they discover this music is just overwhelming. It's the, the challenge has always been that this music is so diverse that putting your finger on it is really difficult. And it, and the word implies something different for almost everybody you talk to. Is it Dixieland? Is it bebop? Is it avant-garde? Is it big band? Is it Glenn Miller? And by the way, Glenn Miller will be coming to the Waldorf. That Not Glenn himself, but his, the ghost band. <laughs> so I think that's part of the challenge, Jocelyn. It's, it's, there's so many styles of this music and some of the audience for different styles are mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? Somebody will say, well, I just love Miles Davis, but I can't stand Dixieland. Or I, I, I love to hear a jazz singer, but I don't want to hear saxophonists and trumpet players taking, you know, five minute solos. And so it's, it's, um, 
from one song to the next. And I find this on my radio show. It's like, well, I know that this is going to lose some people, but this is going to, this next cut's going to bring them back. And I think it's just like really fine food or fine wine. You may not like it the first time you hear it. You have to develop a taste for it. And when you learn to appreciate it, and that's only through exposure, then it, it helps you to diversify your tastes. And that's that's the key with this music. Just as you saw from the Starlight series, we kind of travel around the world and bring in uh, a variety of styles and ages as well. Well, and there you go. That feels like uh, the perfect ending sentiment kind of wraps up uh, this conversation nicely and the jazz series nicely. Individual tickets uh, for each show are on sale now, but also so is the Jazz Lovers Package. That's a subscription that will get you tickets to all five shows and you'll save 15% uh, on the cost of those tickets. You can find more information about all of these artists and ticket information and all of that by calling the Walton Arts Center box office at 443-5600 or visiting their website at waltonartscenter.org. To keep up with more uh, that's going on in the local scene and just you know keeping an ear out of, of any musicians coming to the area for the jazz scene, uh, visit digjazz.org. Com, and that's the website for the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society. And, you know, if you want to continue this jazz education, Robert, you've got a, a show that you've been hosting for, you mentioned going on 42 years now. That's correct. Shades of Jazz on KUAF, our national public radio affiliate. It's hard to believe, but mm. I started doing that show when KUAF was a 10-watt lab facility of the journalism department. And that was in 1979. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's been on the air for almost 42 years. Wow. So that airs on KUAF's uh, FM channel on Fridays from 10 to midnight, or you can find it on their HD station, and that's uh, online. And, uh, Robert, I, I don't know where else that is, but that's Saturdays uh, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's correct. All right. Well, Robert Ginsburg, thank you again so much for your time and for discussing all of these great musicians with us. I'm excited to get back into Star Theater and Baumwalker Hall and get to see live music again. Jocelyn, I want to thank you also. You've been a longtime advocate for this music. You've always reached out. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, you even partied with the Hunter Tones uh, the last time they were here after the concert. <laughs> I think that was a that was in your backyard. You hosted a like a barbecue, and yep, came, came and saw them. And uh, they're they're some really fun guys. So, uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm really looking forward to seeing them here again. Well, thanks again, Jocelyn, for all you do. Thank you, Robert.